hundreds of pages, thousands of words, millions of letters. Welcome to the Kanja Book Club. The price of admission? What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Kanja Book Club, the weekly Star Wars book club podcast brought to you by Utini.com, where we intentionally experience Star Wars stories together one month at a time. I am one of your hosts, Timothy Guthrie, but I am joined by none other than Adam Dyson. Adam, how are you, man? Good, man. It's I feel refreshed after our uh, unplanned vacation for one week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it feels weird. I, I tried to go back, and we're going to talk about this book eventually, but the trying to condense the show notes after missing a week covering half of a book the way that we do it is absolutely <clears throat> insane. I am refreshed, but I am also like, this is impossible. <laughs> well, not, not even like any book. It is the last book of the trilogy. One that yeah. everyone seems to universally love. Yes. Yeah, this, uh, Chris is absolutely right. This is going to be a lot. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm so glad to be back, though. And I am glad to have you all with us here in the chat. Um, and however you are listening to us, um, by this particular point, all of our episodes will have been released officially to the Utini Network, which is really exciting. Um, whether you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or pod bean whatever that is um we're glad that you found us we are live in discord every saturday at 3 p.m eastern um, and our episodes hit the utini network feeds every tuesday morning um, usually right around midnight so however you're listening to us we are glad that you are here since i'm going to talk a lot here in a bit adam do you want to hit us with some updates yeah why not so for the utini side we are launching a brand new comics project called the cosmic force you probably heard about this on the living force and all that kind of good good action there's also a channel now in discord that i created for those guys um so much mystery around it i know so when is it starting well it will be a live video show streamed on youtube just like the living force and legends look back but not us we're we're relegated to discord because we're just too cool for youtube timothy that's what i'm gonna that's what <laughs> i'm gonna really that's are. what i'm gonna tell myself more no, details nobody will... <laughs> can kick us off of youtube <laughs> <laughs> more details will come soon but look for their opening date towards the beginning of april oh yeah and we're a podcast network which also launches in april timothy that's pretty cool yeah really excited about that i think we're gonna um Every show will kind of roll out on its own towards the beginning, uh, but then every you'll get everything. Uh, two of our shows will be released on a three-month delay, and that's Star Wars Archives and Cat Faves. So, yeah, we're, we're like big time now. Oh. So, on Discord, there is also the Utini Marketplace. So, there's been like a few messages randomly in random channels about things that people might want to swap or buy or sell. So, now there's actually a category and a channel for you guys to go and flog your merchandise to other members in the community but just like i said there is that first message that's probably been buried in everyone else's other messages but just remember (laughs) that your um transactions are yours to make and um just make sure that you it's fair trade guys so just be fair to your fellow members in the community and we don't really take any kind of responsibility for what you sell and what you buy it's just like we're giving you the medium to do it so um please please be respectful of each other and and don't charge you know a thousand dollars for a paperback heir to the jedi for example (laughs) so please be fair please don't (laughs) uh patreon updates i'm gonna keep going this is your area timothy but i'm taking on patreon new tiers will be released on the 1st of april if you have any questions don't hesitate to jump onto timothy and just bombard him in the old patron channel on discord and just dm him just at any time in the morning 1 2 a.m that's what he's there for he's there for you i can take it i promise (laughs) we are so incredibly grateful for your support and we can't wait for your to see what we've been working on and timothy i just said y'all like you would have said so i'm just gonna throw that out there (laughs) yep perfect If you've never joined our Patreon, now is an incredible time to jump on board. You can jump on monthly or yearly. If you jump on yearly, there's a slight discount from memories in there, Timothy. Yep, you're right. (laughs) Boom. This is what I'm here for, guys. (laughs) (laughs) You're so smart. Um, Brad does want to know, what about iJedi? Can we charge $1,000 for that? To which my response is, only if it makes Corey money. (laughs) 
Well, remember what, what was the first paid message on the YouTube show for Living Force this week, wasn't it? Yeah, on the, the yeah. super chat. Yeah, the, yeah so you we, can use... we've been able to to monetize the channel, which is awesome. And yeah, the very first thing was about how I Jedi is the greatest book ever. An ongoing <laughs> joke it. that will never die. <laughs> never, never. Much like much like Palpatine himself. Oh, don't talk about it. All right, so the book schedule. <laughs> the book schedule coming up. So April, Into the Dark. So continuing our new release every couple of months. So Into the Dark by Claudia Gray. They just concluded their uh round table for that one on the living force and the guys were um very positive but still had their criticisms and it was great to see them do that in a positive manner um, i'm sure that we'll have a great discussion about that one um may is thrown ascendancy greater good by timothy zahn oh my god um and then coming up in june you know i'm gonna read this exactly how it's written timothy Age of <laughs> Rebellion do. limited comic series. It beat out Resistance seventeen to seven. The poor Resistance comic probably feels a bit like Everton getting beaten by Man City last week, huh, Adam? Question mark. And you know what, Timothy? <laughs> you know what? Everton have been getting knocked out of the cup quarterfinal for like the last 20 years that doesn't uh -huh. i'm used to disappointment i just swim in sadness when it comes to football <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm just i'm just glad that liverpool finally got the jump again um i mean we've had a couple a couple significant losses but um it's nice mm. to be able to see us ahead of you when, once more on, on top of the table or yeah. not on top in the middle of the table let's be honest yeah must have been hard to lose to Fulham the other week you know the team that gets relegated every year and then they come up and then they get relegated you know, I don't remember this being in the notes I don't know why you're talking about it <laughs> so yeah. well I, I cede control back to you okay cool cool I appreciate it um, no we are really excited um, about reading of course Into the Dark in April and then Throne Ascendancy um, Greater Good in May but yeah, Age of Rebellion definitely beat Resistance um, by that massive margin, 17 to 7 in the Discord polls. We're really excited um, to be covering that. And we also have a special guest that will be joining us in June, but I don't want to hype that up too, too much, just in case scheduling things change. So for now, I will just say that we tentatively have a guest coming in June. Very excited about it. Really looking forward to it. So let's get into the ridiculous summary of the back half of this book. Bear with me because this is going to be like 30 minutes long. No, no, I'm just kidding. It's not going to be quite that bad. Love the ending of this. Um, it's a lot and we'll just get to it. Hold on a minute. What is happening here in the chat? Um, uh, Chris, uh, you should not be rooting for Everton. I'm just going to just going to put that out there. Um, if you do, I might reference you less in the show notes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's All not right. his name. <laughs> um, uh, it is what it is. Alrighty, here we go. This is a spoiler warning. If you have not read Victory's Price, we are going to get into all of the juicy details. This is your heads up. So not knowing the status of Will, because, you know, he may have died at the end of two weeks ago, Hera and company move in on the freighter Yadiz. Quell's ship lands on the Yadiz, and then the freighter jumps with its escorts. The Chidawan Star Destroyer intercepts Hera's trajectory and won't go down without a fight. She has to resort to complete obliteration of this ship before it crashes into her. Nath returns to news that Will has survived. When he gets to the medbay, Will tells him that it's time to finally go home. Outside of the droid control system and stranded in space, Chas allows Quell to fix the hyperdrive, only for Kairos to blind jump them in hopes of landing somewhere outside of a star system. They crash land on a jungle planet, Kairos' homeworld. Quell and Chas are able to catch up on the events from Shadowfall until they get to a cave system, where shells of Kairos' people are held in memorial. As they stop to rest, we learn that Kairos was experimented on by the Empire. Quell continues with what Aiden told her about their story, about their history, until they tire. They stumble upon a vacant Imperial base, and when it is time to keep watch, Kairos says that Quell must not, because they are bound through the connection of Aiden and ITO, and she must remain alive. While Chas is making her rounds, Kairos' people appear from a distance, in a super creepy scene, uh, thinking that they may be Empire. The crew decides to blow the base up and make for the ship. Kairos sheds her old mask with the remaining effigies, and Quell contacts Keys. The 204th is going to Jakku. The women return to the Deliverance, and Hera welcomes them home. Quell tells the General the truth of her whole story, she just wants to save lives, and Will wonders why Keys left and came back to the 204th. 
The New Republic prepares for Jakku and Alphabet's place in it. When Quell gives her plan for the Messenger's database on Coruscant, Hera has to think about it, but ultimately sends Kairos with her. Will confirms that he understands Keys, and even Quell and the decisions that they make, and he decides to sit out this oncoming battle. He has served his time. When the Deliverance gets to Jakku, Will issues one final plea to the 204th and then sets out to help those on board. The battle begins. The 204th uses particle blasts, like at Tajawa, to blip in and out of existence on scanners and destroy ships. On the open channel, the pilots talk to each other. It's mass chaos. The Deliverance is badly damaged and Chas worries for Will. He was just supposed to stay safe. The Deliverance has to abandon ship. Nath and Chas go for a bombing run on the UDs. And the pilots are still communicating their plans to each other, all in an attempt to get a better fight, a more worthwhile fight. Chas and company succeed on their bombing run at disabling the the bleh, the Yadiz's thrusters, but Chas goes radio silent because she's presumed dead, and Nath ends up faking damage to his ship to get out of the battle, having accomplished his job. The 204th retreat. Hera leaves the deliverance on the ghost right before it blows up. The New Republic wins. Will, after a scuffle with Blink on board the Deliverance, was able to get to an escape pod and crash land on the surface. He awakens to a TIE pilot, picking him up out of his pod. Nath spots them and calls for assistance. Chas, meanwhile, is stranded, though she sees Polinians on Surafka saving people and is thankful for Will in that moment. While all this is going on, Keys and Quell are heading for impact on Coruscant. Cairo slags behind and absorbs the brunt of TIE attacks, allowing Quell and Keys to dogfight as they near the Verity district. Keys tries to take out the support struts of the database, while Quell pleads with him to think about the civilian lives at stake. He tries to convince her that the crimes she is atoning for are not hers, but his, but Quell flies into targeting range to be put down. Kairos appears out of nowhere and chimes in over the comm that Quell is forgiven. After a desperation move by Kairos, both Quell and Keys are still alive and find their way into the database structure. Keys, badly wounded, tries to blow the thing from the inside, but Quell gets the drop on him, and he asks her to use the ion drive as an EMP instead. Quell says that even if they do blow up the database, the Imperials will still be looking over their shoulders. They will never actually be at peace. Keys dies, having accepted defeat. 4E, the droid, shows up and displays a final confessional message from Keys, protecting his people one final time. Kairos finds Quill, tells her to find safety, and leaves to find her own space to start a new life. Let's fast forward a bit, Mon Mothma and Hera discuss what comes next. What they do with Erika will end up setting a precedent. She'll get a medal and go free, albeit with some limitations. Nath is recruiting pilots to run a pilot group, or a pirate group, because of course he is, including Ro and Kendende from the 204th. Will thinks he could probably do a little bit better. Chas struggles to find a place to live and work, but eventually she finds Quill and discusses working with her. Will settles on Polinius for a bit, working through the changes to his home and himself. He eventually becomes a senator for Polinius when they join the New Republic, which is wild. Six years later, Will, Erica, and Chas get together and reflect on their time together. Kairos and Nath aren't there, but it's good that they're doing their own things. Minus Nath, who always ends up in trouble. We learn that Erica and Chas are a couple now. And we learn that Will, he's alright. He he goes home. Like, he gets to be a senator to make a difference in the ways that he can without having to fire a weapon, without having to do any of that. And I love the way that we end this book with Erica in the cockpit of an aircraft, just joyful. Finally completing the arc that she set out from the very beginning of this trilogy, just wanting to be in the air. Um, Adam... Obviously, this is a lot. We're kind of like closing a trilogy here. We're closing uh, 12 chapters, something, you know, since we skipped last week. But what are your initial overall thoughts on Victory's Price? I loved it. Uh, rated it like five stars on Goodreads. You know, I'm going to throw in a pretty high rating on the Utini website. Just haven't got around to it. And really, just for one sole reason at the end of the day, and, and that is like, they lived, Timothy. Yeah. And and Quell was redeemed through life. Like, that's just crazy in, in, in Star Wars in general. Like, we don't see it very often, and Quell gets her chance. And all of us who have been screaming for it for so long, we get to finally see it. And, yeah, just lovely. Yeah. I, I am absolutely floored 
that and i'm i'm so glad but i am floored that freed allowed all of these characters to live <laughs> um good or bad i mean minus keys um but like <laughs> even still in the end he accepted defeat um and i just i love that we're going to be able to get some some kind of um i don't know we get a chance to maybe see these people in future books and future stories and to see how they've wrestled with it. Um, I loved Mon Mothma and Hera's conversation towards the end about, you know, what they do with Eric is going to set a precedent. Um, and I'm like, yes, good. Like, like we need to, ha- we need to see these conversations being had. We need to see how some of these, um, Imperial defectors, those who have, you know, surrendered those that just lost and now have to make a way in the world, like what's going to happen with them next. Um, yeah, I would love to see some of these characters go off and do some crazy good things. So um, let's get in and talk about some of the specifics, I guess. Um, let's get into the, I guess, the main points of the plot, um, especially here towards the end. So we've got Coruscant and we have Jakku <laughs> um, and we've got Erika and um, Keys heading towards uh, Coruscant to try to blow up this database or save the database. We don't quite know what Quell's intentions are really until she gets there and everything, but is it a good idea? Like, what do you do with all of this information? Do you think they made a right, that, that Erica made the right call to not blow it up, to not destroy it with an EMP blasts? I don't know. What do you think about this? Wait, we're going for like the toughest question at the very right, beginning right off of this the bat. Oh, Yeah. Bam. Oh, I t- there's pros and cons of each, right? Like, um, you can either play it safe and destroy it and allow the galaxy to kind of heal, but then we're possibly allowing those who should be brought to dust justice get away with perpetrating heinous crimes, or we allow it to to be used and we have to put our trust in the New Republic, a galactic government, which, quite frankly, has failed twice now in a row. Like, yeah. how do we trust them to, to do it properly? That, And, you know, Keys and, and Quell talked about it, that lonely clerk, that logistics clerk who might have sent a particular item to a particular place that was then used to to harm or kill, and they didn't know, but they, they have the potential to be brought to justice as an accessory to that crime. And Yeah. Um, (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. hard (laughs) it really is Um, and you know when I read that particular section it made me think to um, Resistance Reborn a bit and I can't think of have you read this one yet no, I haven't. No, but but okay. please talk. Yeah, yeah. it's been out so long ba- enough. Yeah, basically, there's you know there's some people that um that basically work in an office and have been treated poorly by superiors, and you know at at one particular point in the book, um you know one of the lowlier people stands up for themselves, and it's like, you know, good for you. Um, thinking about how those larger ramifications of serving under a corrupt empire, like could bleed into some really horrible stuff, like guilty by association kind of things. Um, but yeah, I, I do have to, I liked the idea of blowing it up on some hands, but then the other, it's like, I don't know what are, what's Mon Mothma going to do with this. Um, and if you're going to use it, how do you respectively, how do you respectively do it? without tarnishing yourself, which she worries about, right? And also try to prevent something like the First Order from coming up, which obviously they still show up. <laughs> yeah, and and if you do go, like, just shock and awe using the database, is that these, these personnel who are in there as inadvertently supporting heinous crimes who didn't know and, and might potentially be good people you might force them into a corner and then they will fight back. And as yeah. you said, the, the first order, etc. Um, it's a slippery I would, slope. I think yeah. I'd like, honestly talking about it now, I think I would lean into its destruction. Um, and that is a hard decision to make, but I think that the, in terms of pros and cons, uh, destruction for me is, yeah. it outweighs keeping it. Yeah. Well, and to me too, I mean, it, <laughs> in a really weird sense, it's kind of like Twitter. <laughs> um, I mean, like you can go back three years and see stuff that I said on Twitter and I, I couldn't remember some of that stuff. 
Um, and I can only imagine what it would be like for these people who they have no idea that they're in this database. They have no idea that they would have even been in the wrong. Um, and that kind of oversight is very scary, um, very dangerous um, if using the wrong hands. And it just boggles my mind again that the emperor, I mean, of course he would, but that he would have a database like this. Um, that's just, yeah. I don't know, it blows my mind. And like for me, I just, I've served, I've worn a uniform for a decade um, in an operational team. Like I've, I've had, we, you know, we've had support, I have support with like there are um, administration clerks in uniform and all these different types of employed people who don't see the operational side of the military. And I was like, if this was a real thing, those people would be going down. Like, mm. um, and I think that's just, that's just a bit hard for me to take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got you. We don't want anything happening to you, Adam. <laughs> so destroy it. Yeah. Good discussion. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Send your pitchforks. It... Send your pitchforks this way, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that's one of the things that Freed allows with this book. Um, I think he kind of tips his hat to how he would answer it, how he would like it to be done, maybe. But hmm. you know, there really are so many sides to to this topic, um, and it. I, I I appreciate the freedom that this book allows to have these kinds of conversations. Like it forces us to talk about it within fandom, but obviously that's going to bleed into some of our real lives, and and you know it's it's really interesting to see how this how how this book has encouraged um how some people have have kind of st stuck their flag in the ground for one thing or another for i hate will lark because he left to i love will lark because he left <laughs> hmm. you know like these kinds of things and we'll get to that too but i think it also it supports you know a lot of the media that has now come before it as well alexander was able to take these emperor these red cloak droids and create like this masterful plan by Palpatine. Yeah. So we know we may, we're going to get to the point where we're going to replay the battlefront two campaign and we're going to see that droid. And we're going to be like, he, like he is talking to this database. He is talking to Admiral Versio because that database says that Admiral Versio was willing to destroy planet. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. absolutely bonkers. Um, so, like, like it's just a, just crossing the T's and dotting the I's and it just this overarching story is now it has a foundation that we can look at yeah well and I heard I guess one final thing on this is I've seen some people a little bit defeated by the fact that this was kind of just like a, a MacGuffin in a sense of like nothing really ever happened of it it was going to be it seemed like it was going to be this huge reveal and then it's just kind of poofed and it's just kind of gone um and we didn't really get a whole lot of resolvement do you think that we're going to get this database back in a story do you think that something like it could show up that it could come back in some different iteration or something like that would you even want to see that i think that we could definitely see something like that um not you know things like the rangers of the new republic come to mind maybe mm. the database is used as a as a story point in that one where they're using the database to find high-ranking imperials like just the leadership itself yeah just i can definitely see it being used again probably in book form maybe comic form but it would i'd love to see it in live action in some way yeah yeah i i think i'm with you there um there's there's a lot of storytelling potential now that they've kept kept it alive um kept it going um that i'm i'm definitely interested to see oh uh chris says maybe it could be used by ahsoka for locating thrawn that would be crazy <laughs> but hey, he's in there <laughs> yeah somewhere oh yeah yeah you know he is he's towards the top gotta be um let's talk about the dog fight over jakku the you know everything kind of leading to this big battle right alongside, you know, the events that we read about in Empire's End that we play at the end of the Battlefront 2 campaign. Um, how did you feel about this particular final dogfight? Uh, it was nice just to see a story above Jakku. Nothing really until the end when, you know, uh, they find Will and etc. But it was nice to see just a space orientated Jakku story. Like when I when I read Jakku, I was, I was like, oh, we've been here before. But 
then I thought about it and is the natural conclusion to end there yeah. and, and to end the war with everybody else. Um, so I really love the dogfight and probably the biggest part of the dogfight that I loved was the um, unsecure communications on the radio where they all mm-hmm. had to talk to each other and they were all talking about those who had passed and just bantering with each other. Um, I think there was what Chaz took out one of the ex- the TIE fighter pilots while he was halfway while through talking. While he was talking. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, that is crazy. So um, that was, yeah. I thought that was a great story to tell. Yeah. And I loved that it, it was much more personal in nature. I mean, like we watched, you know, Revenge of the Sith's opening scene is one of the most epic of all intros to a Star Wars movie, I think. Maybe a movie's period. Um, and just the mass chaos that is going on there, right? But this this particular fighting, like I felt like I was in the cockpit with them. Um, there was something about this particular battle that I could see the overlay. Um, and I... You know, you kind of get bits and pieces of it. Maybe it's because we've read Empire's End. Maybe it's because we've seen some of this stuff from the Battlefront 2 campaign. But I felt like I could really feel the scope of this and how massive it was. But then to also be able to scale it down to to listening to their dialogue and talking about, you know, each other's teammates and wingmates that they've killed. Yeah. And then to him getting cut off mid sentence because Chas blew him up. I'm like, this is insane. Like, I can't believe this. Um, and then just the personalized nature of like, sure, this is very much, you know, New Republic versus Empire. This is the end of the rebellion against the Empire. But it's also very much this is the end of Shadow Wing versus Alphabet Squadron. Um, and I love that they made it very personalized. And I think that I got my answer. You know, what I was hoping for a couple weeks ago was that I was I was hoping that Alphabet Squadron would find a way in the Battle of Jakku, if we were getting here, that they were going to have some kind of decisive play in the final thing um, that their actions, their being there was going to be a cause for why the new Republic could have won. And I think I got that um, in that shadowing was using what they learned from Chidawa to, you know, sneak in and out of, of sensors and blow ships up. And then it was alphabet going, Oh, we've seen this before. We know what's going on. And then immediately draw attention back to themselves. Um, and so I think it, it was really neat to see that, um, that it was a very personalized story for them, not just on a galactic level, which uh, I think is what we saw in Empire's End. And I love that the communication stuff as well, that while the, the whole team is separate, the only Alphabet Squadron people that are actually in this dogfight are Nath and Ch- and Chas. Um, for an Alphabet Squadron book to be about just those two here in the end, like it shows how much this team has been broken but I loved that Quell still wanted to keep the line of communication open. And I love that Will allowed for those communications to be streamed to his old squadron. Even if he's not in the fight, he still, and Quell, both as kind of co-leaders here, um, allowed them to be able to still hear and, and be with each other in those moments. I thought that was really neat. I don't really know really much setting-wise we can talk about, except for... You know, did you like the fact that this was set alongside, you know, that we were on Jakku, that this was along the ends of the Battlefront 2 campaign and Empire's End? Like, are you glad that we got this story here? Do you wish it was in a different point of the timeline? Um, what, what did you think about that? Like I said, I think at the start I was a little bit um, hesitant, but in the end I just thought about it and it is the natural conclusion. Is the war ends there and this whole story is about a group of misfits basically dealing with the war and dealing with its aftermath or potential aftermath for them and and everything that that comes with so i really did like that it ended at jakku and as i was reading like i was thinking about the fact that um Ardenversio is you know landing on the planet and taking out um ATATs with a giant cannon and ray sloan is trying to get to the emperor's um storehouse like it's all happening at the same time it's just this giant yeah. story um and like you know you look at the setting of each book and like between like aftermath and and the alphabet trilogy they're they're like segmented as like one after the other so just it just fit really well 
And so I, in, in the end, I was happy that it had went to Jakku and it ended there. Yeah, I this is it was right towards the end of this book when I realized that, yeah, Ray Sloan was off doing her thing at the same mm. time as Aiden was doing her thing. And it really made me go like, all right, Trevor, where is it? Where is the mix and mash? <laughs> like, give me give me your super book that, that puts everything together. Um, because I, I would love to see that, like a timeline of events of how everything broke down. And I think reading everything else gave me that sense of urgency um, and just really expanded and, and impacted me a little bit more um, knowing mm. how all this was going down and helped me to appreciate a little bit more of the sacrifice that Alphabet Squadron you know, did that everything that they were putting towards everything that they were, you know, fighting against Shadowwing helped to allow those other events to take, like to go on um, and to take place in the way that they did. I love to see that. Um, let's talk about characters because this whole series, the whole trilogy has been um, so character centric. And I guess I want to start with Kairos because we saw we opened up the back half of this book with Kairos. Um, you know, she blind jumps to her own planet. There's questions about whether or not she's force sensitive and just went with it. Or if maybe she knew that was for sure a, a program that she knew the location of it. So she could for sure get there. Um, she has a transformation, multiple transformations um, in this without, um, I guess until the end without really, She's still mysterious, I guess, is what I'm trying to get to. Um, what did you think about her in in this book, through this whole trilogy, and, and where she ends up? I thought she had one of the most powerful moments in the whole story. Um, like, when Quell's just basically kind of just, she thinks that it's she's done. She just flies into the to the, the firing path. And, but then Karos comes over the top and says, you're forgiven. Like that was just an amazing mm. moment of the story. Um, and with Kairos too, there's probably not been a character that I've wanted concept art yes. so much. Like mm. we got a little bit of like title art when she was in her suit, but I just, just like a victory's price concept art for Kairos would be amazing. Um, I haven't wanted concept art as much as, like, since Geode, and I got Geode, so give me some Kairos. <laughs> That's fair. That's so fair. Oh, I can't wait to talk about Geode beginning yeah. next week. Into the dark. This is a, this is a Geode fan appreciation podcast. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I, I I think I'd agree with you. Yeah, I loved um I loved her transformation, and I I love those powerful moments. Um she believes what she believes very deeply. Um, there is no swaying Kairos and, and until she's, until she can like her whole point in this book was to just find Quill and kill her. <laughs> that was, that was it. <laughs> and it took, it took keys, you know, in a weird way, pardoning Quell for Kairos to be able to forgive her. So, you know, Keys' whole thing is like, you know, your sins are nothing to to forgive. You don't need to atone for anything. Like, I'm the one that convinced you all to go do this. And then for Kairos to be able to hear that and to go, oh, I I forgive you, Quell, because you didn't actually do anything. And, <laughs> and, and I kind of, you know, I was holding this grudge based on limited information. Um, mm. Like, I, I love, that was a very, very, very powerful moment. That and her ability to just know where her home planet was. Yeah. I really want to know what that's about. Like, how did she do that? Is that like a little bit of like force sensitivity, perhaps? Um, I I don't know. Specifically attuned to her home world and her species. It's like, yeah. Maybe. What did you think about being on her home world, though? Because... I was terrified. <laughs> There's no way, you know, you're running through this cave system. There's a giant monster or something, right? And then you've got all these shells of her people and these, you know, living memoriams and like, that's terrifying stuff. And then the creepily like random lights with open faces just shining out through the forest. Like, uh-uh, hard pass. <laughs> yeah, it's, it just added to her mystery as well, I think, that this planet had such dangers and as you said, the, the suits on display and all these different things. Um, 
But it just kind of made me feel for her as well, especially when she realized that her people were coming and that she couldn't be seen by them. Mm, like she yeah. just, she felt just such kind of shame. And I just I felt really sad for her at that point. Yeah. I think that she, her character really embodies all of Alphabet Squadron in a sense. Um, the way that she is changing, but doesn't want to be seen changing and um, wants to be very careful about who she opens herself up to and, and who she will reveal herself to. Um, because Chas is very much in the same boat. You know, she's a leaf in the wind, just doing whatever happens to be convenient in the moment. Um, Quell doesn't quite know where she is yet. Keys is probably the only one that actually knows what he's doing. Will is kind of wish-washed this whole thing, and Nath is just kind of doing whatever he's doing, but everyone has these really secretive moments where they're like, like, I, I actually care about this particular person, or I, I actually believe this thing. Um, and Kairos, for the one who doesn't speak a whole lot, I think her transformation through this really echoes everyone else's story pretty well. And she has a more a physical embodiment of everyone else's mental challenges and the things that they're trying to overcome. Um, that's what I appreciated about her character. I think the most, but let's talk about Chas because she is a bit of a leaf in the wind. She does whatever she wants. She goes from martyr to cultist to martyr to deciding there at the end that she actually wants to live for everything. After all, um, she almost gets to go out in a blaze of glory and her final bombing run. Um, but she ends up with Quell. Like they're a couple at the end of this, um, which is really cool. Um, what are your thoughts on Chas Nechatic, man? I love Chas. All over the place. Just just chaos in a Thielen, in, in a character. Um, but it's amazing to see some LGBTQ representation as well. Like, it was just, it was nice to see. And I think we've kind of talked about it in our second episode, um, or really our, our last episode, yeah. about how, the possibility that these two might be an item. Um Mm. especially after the way that Chess acted and, and how, like, the betrayal that she felt when she found Quell and just laid a beating on her. Yeah. Um, like, we thought that, that that could be deeper. And I love that um, Nath took Cultus Chess and created Martyr Chess again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It He's was just like, nope off <laughs> yeah i loved i loved his little vignettes almost of of how he's able he's able to pick apart people um and he knows once he's got them on the hook and it, it was interesting to me because like it seemed like chas knew that the cultists the children of the empty sun that they were bunk that Latige was bunk um but to hear it from someone else confirm the details i think mm. it it really mattered to her. Um, she was able to, just, I don't know, to get her eyes on on the information, basically. Yeah, and it was good to get her. It was good to get her music back as well. Like not yes. exactly her mixtape, but it, her singing and and part of that open comm because the two hundred and four started to sing and yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was able to to get into the rhythm of the communication static and the blaster fire, and she's like, "Yeah, I, I'm feeling more like myself." And I I love that that this gave you know some full circle character moments. You know, we had a lot mm. of flashbacks to who these people were at the beginning. Quell, I mean, even like finally being free after everything that she's been through. You know, finally finding joy in flying when that's you know really all that she's ever wanted, I guess. Um, and Will even like for not fighting all he's ever wanted to do since the time that this series opened up was he just wanted to go home <laughs> and he finally gets to go home. Um, and I think that's something that I do want to talk about and pivot a little bit is keys keys versus will um, in, in their particular you know, frames of mind, right? Like will is trying to figure out, what made keys leave the 204th and come back and continue to do the things that he's doing because he's looking for a way out. Um, what do you think is different about keys's experience trying to leave and Will's experience leaving? I think that just keys is just, just jaded, a bit of a cynic. He's more of a realist as well. Like, like when I look at Will leaving, Will left because he, it was kind of for Will, right? Um, 
but for keys he wanted he wanted to kind of leave but he realized that he couldn't leave without everyone else he had to give everyone mm. else an out um and i think that's what it's why he's his character is so powerful because like even at the end when he basically <laughs> blamed all the 204 atrocities even grandmother's atrocities on himself like he can't just leave by himself he doesn't have that ability he must bring the others with him mm. i i wonder if if some of that is because he can't make peace with it like he he can't find a way to reconcile the things that he's done um you know he's too far in he can't he can't make sense of it he's just kind of flailing so yeah i might as well take everything on myself and and just go out whereas i think when i looked at will he is finally able to make peace with it and i think that's some of quell's discussion with keys too right of like it doesn't matter what you do imperials after the war are going to forever be looking over their shoulders um, because they can't make peace with it because they can't live with the things that they've done to some extent. But I wonder if will being able to make peace with it, he doesn't apologize whenever he goes to leave because he knows that he's done. Um, I wonder if that might be some of that difference there that maybe keys came back Yes, because he realized he couldn't do it without everybody else, but because he couldn't live with himself for abandoning everybody either, um, and because he's done wrong, whereas Will <laughs> is able to leave knowing, hey, I've done everything that I can do, and I would literally be a hazard to people to still be here. Yeah, and I think it has some uh, some real-life parallels as well, because there are a lot of veterans who can't turn it off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, they are... In their mind, they're they're a soldier till the day that they die, and they, um, they may leave the military, and they just find it really hard to adjust to civilian life. Like I look back, and like we actually got to see Keys try to adjust to civilian yeah. life, and he couldn't, and, he, and and really he couldn't do it um, because, as you said, he wasn't really at peace with the idea of leaving or the idea of everything that he had done in the past, but will like, once you find that inner peace, you have the ability to enter civilian life. And like, when we get to the epilogue a little bit or the final chapter, that big final chapter, like will does struggle a little bit, but he finds mm -hmm. a new purpose. And like what, if everything worked out, how keys wanted it to work out and he doesn't have to fly anymore. He's just say he got a part and what would he do? Yeah. Um, he wouldn't have the same opportunities as Will. He wouldn't be able to concentrate on another task, another project. Um, so, like, I I look back and Keyes' mission to Coruscant, like, I don't think that he wanted to come out of that alive. He wanted to do what he needed to do. He, just say if he had managed to shoot the pylons and destroy the database, he would have taken blasters at that point because what else is there for him to do? Yeah. Well, and I wonder, thinking about Will leaving, I had questions about Nath, because he ripped Will a new one when when Will decided he wasn't going to fight in the last battle, right? But then Nath fakes, you know, issues with his ship, because his task is done now, so he's going to go off. Do you think there's a little bit of a double standard there? Um, maybe it's his, his pirate nature, not wanting to look favorably on, on someone other than himself. Um, did you see hypocrisy in that? Like I did a little, a little, but, but like, we also have to think about that. He, that he fought at Jakku. He put himself in danger. He lost the remainder of his pilots, the wild squadron and hail squadron, etc. Like, I think that just. When the 204th were defeated, I think he just had enough. <laughs> mm. and, and, and and also, like, he got away from it, but then eventually he kind of did come back into pulled, the fight. When he back, went, maybe. When he, when he kind of went and found Will and he saw the TIE pilot, you know, helping Will, and which was another great scene. I loved that scene when the TIE pilot, just a cog in the machine, finds Will and, and Will's like, oh, here we go. And yeah. they have a laugh and, he, and the TIE pilot helps him up. He's like, come on. Um, yeah, and I love that that he reflects in that moment of like, oh, 
all of my talking, all of my, you know, the shared conversations that we've had with each other. Um, you know, I think it was Patrick that talked uh, our last episode about the, was it the World War I uh, soccer game, you know, kind of a thing mm. of, you know, have, having some open lines of dialogue, like recognizing that, yeah, there are other people on the other side. Like, we don't have to keep doing this. And at the end yeah. of the war, when someone decides that the, you know, the rules of engagement have ended, but they're like, we can go back to being friends and, and have a laugh and a drink. Yeah, and I think something like another thing that I think about <clears throat> is that kind of nas outburst at Will wasn't really because Will wasn't fighting, wasn't going to be there to you know, to help protect others and bring the two hundred fourth down. I think just just Nath was hurt. Yeah, and that's true. We don't really we don't really see Nath hurt that often. Um, like their relationship was already rocky, and I think that was just the straw that broke the camel's back, and he just had a personal outburst. I think it had nothing to do with the will's inability to fight or whatever just because his friend his brother wasn't going to be by his side yeah well and i i love that the ending of this book too it it also wasn't you know all sunshine and rainbows like yes the characters that we all loved lived but they didn't all still have you know fabulous relationships at the end of it not that they had fabulous relationships through the trilogy <laughs> um but like, yeah, Nath went off to become a pirate with, with, with people from the 204th. Um, Ken Dende, of all people, who, you know, pledged his life and service to droids, like, in honor of the dead emperor. Like, what? <laughs> um, yeah. Which, I th which like, that whole kind of ending for Nath, because I think Nath commented, and, like, he was to become a pirate, but he was, when he was doing that interview with the the officer from the 204th in that cantina, he's like basically saying, well, why don't we go do, do some good? It's like he was, he's going to yeah. be a pirate, but he's going to be like a Robin Hood style mm. outlaw. He's probably going to steal from other gangsters and give poor, give to the poor and do all these things. Um, just doing it on the other side of the law. And that's how I kind of took Nath's piracy that he would be the Robin Hood of space <laughs> okay okay I, I i might watch a series on that. <laughs> that that would be absolutely fascinating to see um and, and and i think like between the relationship with will and nath it's like the like that sibling relationship where mm. like you might have a younger brother who sees himself as more mature and he kind right. of tries to be the older brother to the older brother and that, that's kind of how I saw that relationship between the two. Because at the end, you're right. Like, everyone lives and everyone's kind of doing their own thing. But the will Nath discussion near the Y-Wing, like, there is still some heat there. Yeah. Um, but that's that's when when that ended, I was like, all right, this is how I, this is how I think I'm going to looking at it now, is that the younger brother is just trying to be the older brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can follow that. I did... I did feel like I connected with Nath a lot more in this book than I did in the other two, um, than I did in Alphabet Squadron and Shadowfall. Um, and getting to see the cracks in who he was, you know, that tough hero guy exterior um, was welcome to see. Um, Hera, I think, is the last person that I really want to talk about, you know, as we kind of close. You know, she got some beautiful moments um, all throughout this book. I mean, this was really... Um, it wasn't her book, but, you know, she had plenty of times to shine in this. Um, and the the two moments that I absolutely loved, um, I loved at the very beginning when she welcomes Erica home. Um, like, I absolutely love that after all the horrible things that had been done to her, like um, the first words out of her mouth when she sees Quell is welcome home. And then you know, she got to leave on the ghost in the end. Um, and I, that was beautiful to me because of just everything that that ship has been through and, and, you know, all the, the stuff that relates to it. But how did, how did Hera being in this story? Um, and as much as she was in it, you know, how did that sit with you? Did, did you enjoy seeing her here? I did. I definitely loved that she was in the story so much and she was put into dangerous situations and, you know, giving out a, you know, just loving the fact that the ghost showed up and that Jason got mentioned by name. I think that Jason's one of those characters yeah. that we'd all love to see have his own story. Like he is the son of Canaan. We want to see, we want to see him do something special. Um, 
yes, I just loved it. She took a backseat in Shadowfall because of Squadrons mm-hmm. and the storyline with um, Vanguard and, and all that kind of thing. But, yeah, I think that she got her juice here. She was in a, a position of leadership and she was the hero again. Like, she's trying to control the the uh the star destroyer all by herself <laughs> yeah yeah for sure and to to see her be the last one to leave too was like of course that that's Hera. Of, of course that's who she is um and i just love confirmation that she's still alive honestly like i just i i, I wanted to know that she was going to be okay <laughs> um, and, it, and i think like it was really powerful to see her in that like with her discussion with mon motha like we yeah. always see Hera as the mom and as someone that's always going to be there for you, even if you make some pretty hor- like horrible mistakes, like Quill, but like even Hera was, you know, because she knew she couldn't lie to Mothra. Like she gave her honest opinion um, on Erica, and which potentially could have affected Erica's pardon. Yeah, like it was. Just, I think it was great to see it, and I think for Hera, that's kind of she's vulnerable in that spot because, like I said, she's the mum, she's the the matriarch, she's always there always there to pick someone up um even if they've kind of done the wrong thing and if they want to change and erica did want to change but i think even for Hera, there was like kind of like a line and she had to tell the truth and how she was feeling yeah and she had she had some cool moments you know all throughout and like uh i remember nath mentioning like even with um, you know, he thought that he knew who she was, you know, just from the military standpoint, um, you know, from her rank and, and everything. But then to see the commanding presence that she still has um, regarding like uh, like her family life and wanting to, to still be uh, like she still knows for sure what she wants on the other side. Um, hmm. And I, um, yeah, I, I love getting getting more of Hera in my life i'm all for it give me a jason series um <laughs> I, I want to to see her wrangle some some little rebels um in a non-violent way during these next you know 20 30 years before the first order shows up like g- give me the good stuff <laughs> hmm. um and you mentioned vanguard a little while ago we did get them referenced by name too uh briefly um and that was that was cool that Alexander Freed had a little bit of a role to play in that game and, and how that went down. Um, but I think that there's more story. Um, and I guess my question here, before we get into some of the connective tissue and some of the Easter eggs that, you know, I was able to find, um, do you think we're done in this particular era with stories? Um, do you want to spend any more time here? Um, or, or are you ready to see it? go beyond this to fill in some of those gaps between now and the first order i think that i'm depending on like it has to, it'd have to be like a pretty big story but i think i'm pretty much done with jakku and i think that with aftermath battlefront 2 and now the alphabet squadron trilogy i'm happy with my jakku stories yeah but something that i we haven't really seen a lot of just like little snippets with Mosameda and aftermath and now quell kairos and keys on Kor- i want to see some Coruscant. Give me my political thriller during exactly. this time. That's, that, that or some kind of espionage story, like maybe someone on the Imperial blockade is trying to bring them down. There's a rebel cell um, trying to take the planet and maybe it coincides with Jakku happening and they, they win and all these kind of things. I, just, I would love to see it. Yeah. Um. I'm mixed about it. I think all in all, um, again, I, I, I think if, if they find a story that is worthy to be told, um, I'm all for it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I can take any more, um, extended length, uh, trilogies <laughs> set, set in this. I think, I think I want, yeah, I give me Masameda's story. Like what is he doing as a, you know, a, a, a lame duck, you know, sitting in inside the palace, um, you know, I, I want to see something like a, a Cassian series, you know, spy and espionage, you know, with the, the ground troops that are in there. Um, maybe if, uh, you know, not necessarily Freed in particular, but like he wrote some pretty intense work in his first Battlefront. Um, like, I, what about the ground troops? Like, what are they doing, you know, when they get in the chorus? Like, that's going to be pretty messy. I don't know. I'm all for it. Just give me a give me a one or two book off, you know, within a a particular 
particular character group just don't make it a don't make another trilogy (laughs) yeah i think like for a trilogy for me i'd have to um it'd have to be i don't know like a ray sloan trilogy where she takes back control of the and and they go to the unknown and and build up the first order i think that which you know might you know culminates in old mate palps taking it or controlling it through the Allegiant General, like they get rid of Sloane at the end. It's like, oh, wow, shock and awe, they, here is pride all of a sudden. Um, like, well, I yeah, think I that's think the that... thing. Like, it's gonna, if, if we're going to touch Jakku again, let's start it mm. at Jakku, and then let's move. Like, let's, exactly. let's go forward. And, yeah. Yeah, so I think that I'd love to see the formation of the First Order, because I think that is something that we haven't really seen too much of. Like, they touch it on like, a little bit in Resistance and all these different things, but, like, mm-hmm. an actual adult novel trilogy where you can go into adult concepts and adult ideas about the creation of yet another regime, I think, would be very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Well, let's talk about our um, connections, some of the Easter eggs that we found, and kind of get into some of our closing thoughts um, on the Easter egg front. So Hera remembers um, the Battle of Makota um, next to the battles of Yavin 4 and Hoth. And Kieran Gillen's run on the Star Wars comic actually showed the near destruction of the Rebellion at Makota um, as a turning point in the war after A New mm. Hope. Another plug for the Cosmic Force, and you desperately need to be reading these Star Wars comics. They are so mm. freaking good. Um, so freaking good. Uh, just the, that in just... Oh, sorry. Sorry, no, Jimmy. Just with the... I think that with the pandemic as well, I think the comic industry would love yes. just a couple of dollars here and there. Yes, for sure. Um, and I will put a plug up for the fact that um, we now, I have been slowly working on... Um, adding a uh, comiXology affiliate. So if you want to buy your <laughs> comics through Utini, you can find the profiles um, on our site and you can buy them through comiXology and we'll get a cut of it. So do that. Um, if you want to double check with me to make sure that the links that we have up actually work, feel free to DM me. <laughs> um, and if it's not there, okay. I will make one real quick. <laughs> DM him at any time. Anytime, any time of day, two forty-five in the morning, I will answer you when I wake up. <laughs> uh, another Easter egg was so the Emperor's databank stretches from underneath the Imperial Palace all the way to the Verity District, um, which Sloan actually visited uh, for information and aftermath life debt. So again, talking about how close these things were together, um, some of the overlap there. I think probably my favorite, though, is when Keyes encounters an Imperial ship called Panaka over Coruscant, and he mentions its namesake, Moff Panaka of Naboo. Um, If you don't know who Panaka is, he was the head of the Naboo Guard in The Phantom Menace, um, and he had some really cool moments um, in his story expanded on in Leia, Princess of Alderaan. Um, Some really Mm. cool scenes with him in there. That's... um... That ship probably blew up. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> mm, maybe. Um, I loved I loved Keyes' line um, to, to whoever was con- was in charge of the Panaka of, like, isn't the namesake of your ship, like, didn't he try to, like, end the blockade rather than be the blockade yep. of the planet? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, that was well played. You know your history. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then uh, we also get some mentions to the 61st Infantry um, and the Arakian the monks. Um, those are back-to-back references to Freed's previous novels, uh, our Battlefront Twilight Company. Um, we spent a lot of time with the 61st Infantry in Shadowfall. Um, and then Will later mentions that Nath had spent some time on Anchorall, which is also a planet that was mentioned in that novel. So Freed getting to reference some of his work. I always love it when authors bring references from their earlier work um, into new stuff. Claudia Gray is really big on that. You get to see a lot of that in Into the Dark. Um, and then the last one is that Hera recalls training rebel cadets on board the Lucra Hulk Prime, um, which was shown during her appearance in the Dr. Afra comic, because Hera shows up everywhere and we love it. Um, this is also the first story outside of Rebels to mention Hera's son, Jason. So um, I'm just, I don't know, I, I'm in love with Star Wars novels right now um i feel like they are firing on all cylinders i love all the tie-ins and connections i love the character growth um and i just it's good i I think we are very spoiled right now um i don't know you know i feel like 
throughout time, there have been like, you know, the silver age of comics, the golden age of comics. Like we are in some kind of dope age of Star Wars storytelling. I don't know what you would name it, but I don't know. It's peak right now. Would you agree? I would. 2020 and 2021 are just just some great years for Star Wars storytelling. Some pretty trash years for other reasons, but like I think that the storytelling has just been superb it's going to continue like we've got what greater good coming up that's that's going to probably be amazing Um, we're going to get different types of storytelling so japanese inspired anime storytelling like it's just going to be huge and i can't wait to to dive in yeah um (laughs) jared says peak star wars was 1991 but 2020 (laughs) may be second (laughs) i i got you i will give you that um, Chris says some of the Jakku stuff that he'd like to see is the stuff in Rise of Skywalker um, with the Sith assassin, um, which I think you were referring to uh, Ochi of Bestoon, who we actually get to see in the Darth Vader comic that is running right now. Um, highly recommend checking that out. We get a little bit of, of, of his story in that. Um, and then, yeah, I'd love to see Ray and Ray's parents and um, more of that because uh, we got a little bit, but I, I want to know more. That's a that's a trilogy mm. that I'd I'd love to see. Give me Palpatine trying to to clone himself over and over again. Um, that might make a, a Dark Legend sequel or something. I yeah, don't know. there'd be plenty of there'd be plenty of naked palps in a cloning story, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, naked palps, and that's because Jared's here. You're welcome. <laughs> um th- <laughs> thankfully meg is not in this chat but if she's listening i'm sorry um cool well i think that is all that i've got um did you have a favorite moment from this book favorite character um just a- as we close what are you going to remember most about this book um just the the emotional storytelling and character driven narrative that this whole trilogy was and then what victory's price I put an exclamation mark against uh despite it being about a group of pilots in the middle of a war they were still able to have their stories told from start to finish and powerful stories they were uh in terms of moments kairos coming over the top saying you're forgiven i think was just amazing and then at the end keys despite failing in his mission still falling on his sword and trying to save the rest of his his squadron, his wing, and really anyone in the Empire associated with what the 204th were doing. Yeah, those are powerful. I think, personally, I'm going to walk away with two moments from Hera. Um, And the first one is when she... um, tries to help Kairos, uh, whenever she's, you know, stumbling, um, I think it's on board the deliverance and, um, you know, Kairos is like, you can't look at me, don't touch me, you know, like I'm hurt, I'm, I'm injured, but you can't do anything. And, and Hera's like, there are plenty of other places that I should be right now, but I'm going to help you because you're right in front of me. Um, I love that. And I love the, the respect that she had for her, you know, and, and her wishes and desires. And then I love that, the second moment being that we read most recently when um, she just says, welcome home to Erica who betrayed the entire squadron who went off and did her own thing um, who then fought them again. um, And that the first thing that she says when she sees her, like she remembers the last conversation they had, but she sees someone who could arguably have had plenty of reason to be shot on sight. Um, She looks at her and instead says, welcome home. Um, and I think that's just such a powerful moment and very indicative of who Hera is as a person and, and her character and who I would like to, you know, <laughs> to emulate in a lot of ways. Like, um, I, I love that, that you can look at, at somebody at, at their absolute worst and be able to be like, Hey, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're back. It's good to see your face. I'm glad to see you're alive. <laughs> um, so I love that. And then I think just at large, the meta discussion around this book, um, in terms of, you know, what does this book have to say about war and how are we going to talk about it and how does it impact our, our daily lives, the things that we think about and, you know, maybe vote for or, you know, whatnot. But there's a lot of conversation to be had around this and a lot of heavy, weighty philosophical discussion. Um, and I think I will remember this book for that just about more than any other Star Wars book that I've read so far. 
yeah, and, and like I said at the start, I think it, it was a powerful thing for Alexander to do was to, they yeah. all lived. So simple, yet so powerful. Like, cause we, like I said, we don't really see it a lot. Um, usually someone does does kind of have to die or to create certain emotional feeling in the reader and the characters. But like he was able to tell his story and everyone went their separate ways, or, or not really separate ways, because you had Chas and Erica together, but they all had an ending that didn't involve them blowing up over yeah. Jakku. Well, and one of the things that I thought about too, you know, as you were talking is that I've been wanting the characters who did the atrocities, like I've wanted them to live and have to live with their consequences, right? But I think what this book also showed me, especially in that moment with Mon Mothma and Hera, is that I also want to see the characters who have the ability to pardon or to commit those crimes or, you know, to, to inflict the punishment or the consequences or what have you. I think that's something that I was missing in my my want is I don't just want people to live, but I want I want to see the discussion on those in authority and what decides is going to happen to those people that live. Um, so I want to see the the hard choices. I want to see the 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 characters, you know, have to live with the things that they've done. But I also want to see the other side of the people that are you know laying down that law of how did they make that decision? How did they come to it and how do they follow through on it? And how do they respond to the people that, that committed those, you know, horrible things. Um, and I'm glad that we got all of that in this. So I guess to that extent, it was a perfect book for me. <laughs> so, um, that is all that I've got. Any final words from you, Adam? No, mate, nothing from me. Awesome. Well, thank you to everyone for listening and for participating in the chat in the Conjure Book Club. It's always good um, to see you in here, Chris and Jared and Brea. Um, always love when you guys drop by and Trev there for, for a minute. Um, always, always glad to have y'all. If you ever want to um, participate and you can't quite make it, um, please don't hesitate. Shoot us a message again at 2.45 in the morning. I will respond eventually. <laughs> um, let us know what you think about the books that we're reading. Um, you know, let us know on social media. Um, find us in Discord or hit us up in Patreon. We'll be back next week to talk through Into the Dark, chapters 1 through 8 by Claudia Gray. It was the second Higher Public novel to be released this year. Really excited for it. Yes, Chris. Woohoo. It is geode time. <laughs> um, in the meantime, you can find me, Timothy, on Twitter and Discord at underscore tguthrie. Adam is at darkstarau. And Patrick is on Discord at mac11. If you want to help support the show, head on over to teeny.com, look up Into the Dark, and click the Amazon link on the profile. It'll keep us on the air and help us produce some more awesome content. You'll find links to Victory's Price and April's book Into the Dark in the show notes and the Start Here channel in Discord. If you'd like to help us out more directly, you can find us on Patreon or pick up some merch at utini.com forward slash merch. A special thank you to Sally and Chris Eilerson, Elizabeth Cloutier, Jason Mitchell, and Freddie C. on our Alliance High Command Patreon tier, and Cheryl Bell, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council tier for their amazing support. And shout out to Adam for podcasting with me today. May the Force be with you, everyone.